Sonny Dyke spoke at practice or after practice on Monday and told the media who stood out in their scrimmage on Sunday, who's been making an impression lately in practice. TCU comes in at number 17 in the preseason AP poll. And uh, how did TCU rookies in the NFL do in their first preseason action? All that and more coming up next right here on Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find us wherever it is you get your podcast. In its audio form, uh, fall camp continues, and on Sunday, the Frogs had a scrimmage. It was not open to the media. Practice was open to the media on Monday, and Sonny Dykes spoke with the media after practice and gave some thoughts on the scrimmage, uh, gave some thoughts on where the team is at currently, injury updates and more. So we'll have all that here in segment one. Segment two, we'll talk about TCU uh, showing up in the first preseason AP poll at number 17 in the country. And in our final segment, we'll go a little bit of a different direction Preseason football for the NFL kicked off this past week. A lot of TCU players made their debut in NFL uniforms. And so we'll talk about how those rookies did. I know there's you know more players across the league, but we'll, we'll hone in on guys that got their first action in preseason games um, this past weekend. But we start with fall camp. And uh, I talked with Matt Jennings for about 35 minutes on Sunday night. That episode aired on Monday. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you can. I'll uh, reference that a few times in this episode, but we talked a lot about preseason expectation, where the team was. They had their first scrimmage on Sunday. It wasn't open to the media, so can't give like a play-by-play account of what happened, but Sonny Dyke spoke about his impressions after that scrimmage, and he said it was pretty even. Said the defense, I don't know how they scored or how they matched up, but said the defense was really good in the second half of the practice or the scrimmage. Uh, the offense showed up really well in the first half, which I think is encouraging that you had some back and forth there. It really seems like through the first few weeks of, of fall camp, the defense has been ahead of the offense. That's typical in football in general. It's especially typical when you're installing a new offense. Very similar concepts that TCU is running with Kendall Bryles, uh, but still has different terminology, different plays, emphasizing different things, et cetera. So, you expected some of that, but it seemed like the defense, for the most part, was getting the upper hand. Apparently, the offense really did well in the first half of that scrimmage yesterday. As, as far as players that stepped up, uh, he mentioned Channing Canada and Mason White as two corners who were really good for the Frogs in Sunday's scrimmage. And that's huge news because I think these two you know, starting corners we've talked a lot about, um, Josh and Avery Helm are going to be fantastic. And so if, if, you're, if you're backup corners – are playing well and playing at a high level Um, in backup might be the wrong word, but guys that are rotating in and out, right? Like if the twos are playing well, whether that's in specific packages where you have, you know, more than two corners on the field, or if that's given your starters a breather, um, then that's great news. And Candon White are both Juco transfers. They're long, they're rangy, they're athletic. So good to hear that they're making an impression. I think the secondary is going to be fantastic. I said last week, I think it's the strength of the team. Now, Matt yesterday made an interesting point about those safeties, right? Like it, it seems like they they struggled. Well, they did struggle in coverage in those last few games of the season. Teams kind of honed in on that. 
Um, but I think another year of experience is going to be good for this group and just understanding assignments. Hopefully Joe Gillespie has made some changes and adjusted some things. That's going to take some pressure off those guys and not leave them in an island uh, on a consistent basis. But I really like the potential of the secondary, and so good to see uh, that they're making things happen. He also said that Paul Wale has uh, been someone that stood out, which is good news. You know, you need Paul to, to be a pass rusher. Uh, also seems like he's pretty high on Rick DeBreu, the transfer from ECU. And, you know, Rick's one of those guys that you're kind of counting on um, to be a difference maker. Three and a half sacks back in 2021. Didn't really play much last season due to injury. Had a sack and a half in 2020. So it's shown an ability to get to the quarterback. Hasn't done it super consistently. Uh, definitely looks the part from a size and, and frame standpoint. You're replacing Dylan Horton. You're replacing that D-line aside from Dominic Williams. Um, so if, if Debreu and Alawale are going to be you know, consistent pass rushers for you off the edge, along with some of the guys that you can kind of mix and match and bring off the edge at different times, like you know, Jonathan Bax is an interesting player, Marcel Brooks is an interesting player, um, Shad Banks maybe, then that's, that's good news for TCU on that front as far as getting consistent pressure on the quarterback. Um, so those two pass rushers standing out. On the offensive side of the ball, he said that Corey Wren had his best uh, practice since he showed up and was really explosive, looked really fast, ran the ball really well. Uh, not sure exactly what Corey's role is going to be. You know, he's he's one of those many intriguing players in the skill position ranks. One thing that I have I've noticed lately, Trey Sanders, he said Trey Sanders wasn't full go at the scrimmage, but he was full go in Monday's practice. Uh, I know they're they're kind of doing some load management with him, not practicing him necessarily every day and trying to give him some breaks as he continues to try to get to 100%. Um, I'm not sure who's going to be the starter at running back, but I, I feel like it, <clears throat> it'll be a rotating door to a certain extent. Now, maybe as the year goes on, you'll have two guys that are kind of bell cow backs, and they're all different. I mean, like – Sanders and Bailey are clearly your more traditional three-down backs. Um, and then you have guys like Ren and Battle who are, are kind of scat-back types. And then Cam Cook, can't really say what he's going to be, but a talented true freshman and was definitely a bell cow of a running back when he was in high school at Stony Point in Round Rock. Um, it, it feels like, though, Trey Sanders is not a guy that's going to tote the rock 20 times a game. Don't necessarily need him to do that, but that doesn't appear to be – in the cards for him. And so I would expect, you know, and we thought this would be the case, but I think Imani Bailey is going to get a, a, a lion's share of those carries as well. And they'll rotate random battle and cook and maybe some other guys in and out um, when the situation calls for it. But if Corey Wren's going to be an explosive player, then that's, that's another plus because that's another guy that you can count on moving forward to get the job done. Also had some high praise for those wide receivers, uh, especially major Everhart who he says has stepped up a lot in the last few practices uh, for TCU. And, you know, he's one of those slot guys that's returning that's sort of gotten um, lost a little bit in, I think, the shuffle of, of all the different names to know. But Everhart's an explosive player. You know, he made some waves as a freshman last year. I know with the coaching staff in practice, they like what he can bring to the table. So, of course, you're going to have John Paul Richardson. You're going to have JoJo Earl, uh, Jack Besh. Guys like that who are huge factors in this offense, but don't forget about Major Everhart. Don't forget about guys like DJ Allen, right? Who um, are are special players as well. 
have talent, have skills, can get the job done. It's really just a matter of finding ways to get the ball in their hands um, and get them in space and get them moving. And that's that's going to be a huge key for Kendall Bryles in this offense as they get ready for the upcoming season. So good thoughts uh, as far as who stood out, what's happening, who's making those plays. Um, he said as far as practice schedule goes, they're going to have one more intense practice. One thing that was interesting to me, he talked about uh, there was some discussion with the team on if they need to go full pads again on Tuesday or take the shoulder pads off. And I guess the team decided, along with coaching staff, they they needed another day of contact. So this seems like a really mature group um, and a team that will sort of police itself to a certain extent, which is always a good thing and always something you're looking for is to have a, a player-led you know, unit and a, a team that understands what it takes to win to high level. Uh, injury update. So he says they are pretty healthy. John Lands is still not on the field. Um, but the two guys that he said are injured right now and, and could miss significant time, Thomas Armstrong at that linebacker spot um, and then Ish Burdine in the secondary. Ish Burdine came over last offseason uh, as a transfer from Missouri and really just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Played in a few games last year, then got hurt. Is hurt again now. Uh, and then Thomas Armstrong was hurt last season too, had a pretty ugly leg injury last year and is now returning from that. So, I mean, neither of those guys necessarily players that you expected to play a ton of snaps, but Armstrong was important to the depth of that linebacker position. And linebacker was a spot last year where they really got hammered. Like, you know, Johnny Hodges missed a lot of the Big 12 championship game. Uh, Marcel Brooks was out for the year. Terrence Cook, Thomas Armstrong. So they were really thin at linebacker last season. Uh, Coach Dykes talked about in this press conference, he said, listen, that's a position where we feel really good about our depth, about where we're at, but now Thomas Armstrong goes down. And so we'll see what his prognosis is. And he didn't he didn't give a timeline. He didn't even say um, what, the, what the injury was or what he's recovering from. But those are injury updates. Other than that, he said the team has stayed pretty healthy, which is good news. Uh, now you just got to get through a few more weeks before that opening game against Colorado, and hopefully everyone is uh, good to go for that season opener, and we'll see you know, what the updates are on Ish Burdine and Thomas Armstrong moving forward. When we come back, uh, Frogs are in the preseason AP poll. They stand at number 17. Where are other schools in the Big 12, and who is number one? I think you could probably guess. We'll talk about that next year on Lockdown Horn Frogs. One of our new sponsors, uh, Nutrafol. So something happened to me a few months ago that really took me by surprise. I look in the mirror one day. I'm, I'm standing in the bathroom mirror, and I look, and there's a huge bald spot in my head. And it was really crazy. I ended up you know, going to a dermatologist, working closely with them. Turns out I had like an autoimmune, a mild autoimmune disorder that I have since had rectified, and hopefully it's a temporary thing. But uh, one thing that was really crazy to me was how self-conscious I was about it. I mean, never really thought about losing my hair, my hair thinning. My dad always has had a full head of hair, so that wasn't something that was ever on my mind. But it was pretty shocking to me when it happened. Like, man, that is something that really gave me uh, a lot of anxiety and just uncertainty when it started to happen. So if you're someone that feels like you have to choose between hair growth and your health, you don't. Nutrafol provides a whole-body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair, 
no drugs, no compromises, just big, just better hair. Men think losing their hair is inevitable, but you can take control of your hair's future with Nutrafoil's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Did you know 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? That's a huge number. It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. Get ahead of your thinning with Nutrafol. Men, are you tired of weakening or thinning hair? Do you want to reach your full potential? Use the leading hair growth supplement Nutrafol to help improve your hair growth, your visible thickness, and scalp coverage. It's the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, and it's clinically shown to improve your health and visible scalp coverage. Uh, take your first step for a limited time. Neutral Full is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Again, that's Nutrafol.com slash men. That promo code is LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. You can get a $10 off your first subscription if you go do that. Find out why 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. That's Nutrafol.com slash men. That promo code is LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Uh, go there today and start taking control of your hair growth. Before we get to the AP poll, I did want to mention something. So I, I talked briefly with Matt Jennings about this on Monday, but in case you missed it, uh, a roster update, Dalen Wright, who's a transfer from Minnesota and a name that if you've listened to the podcast this offseason, you probably recognize we've done a few shows about him. He was a wide receiver for the Golden Gophers the past few seasons. Also spent some time at Texas A&M. Four-star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, and showed some minimal production at the Power 5 level. Has never really fully clicked, but um, he's he's definitely a talented guy and has a has a big frame. Uh, is someone that TCU is excited about. Um, last season, 17 receptions, 280 yards, and a touchdown. And then back in 2021, had 365 yards receiving on 18 catches and two touchdowns. Had a big game against Ohio State a few years back. Has shown the ability to go get the ball. He is officially part of the team in practice. He was finishing up uh, graduating from Minnesota so he could have immediate eligibility. And that finally all got done. And so he's now here in camp at TCU. And I said, like, I know folks are super excited. I would – say maybe temper your expectations a little bit because if it all comes together and clicks for him on campus here, that would be fantastic. Um, he hasn't really shown an incredible level of production at the college level yet. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but I do wonder like how quickly he can get acclimated. Wide receiver is one of those spots. Obviously there's different plays, there's different systems, but um, you know, Team to team, program to program, there's a lot of things about the position that you should be able to just transfer from one school to the other, from one position to the other. And so I think Wright can pick it up quickly. I'm just not sure how quickly he'll be up to full speed and ready to rock and roll. But Matt brought up a good point. There's so many different guys <clears throat> that could be really good weapons for TCU football this year that you're not just hinging all your hopes on one person. So it's not like Dalen Wright has to come in and immediately be the man. Now, I don't know who ends up being kind of the alpha in this wide receiver room. Like last year, it was Quentin Johnston. And last year was sort of similar. I mean, even with Quentin, as great as he was and as much of a talent as he was, you know, he hadn't had a 1,000 yards receiving yet. Like there were there were all the talent in the world there, but you you were still like, okay, we have to see it actually happen on the field. It, it certainly clicked for him last year, um, and he ends up as a first-round draft pick. 
And so I don't know who it's going to be that really takes the reins and runs, but there's so many different guys that can get it done. And, and one name to know, uh, Sunday Dykes also said on Monday, Cordell Russell had a long touchdown catch in that scrimmage on Sunday. Like he just appears to be a dude. He's making plays and making plays against what I think is a really good secondary that TCU has. Um, you know, Savion Williams coming back. We've talked about John Paul Richards and JoJo Earl, uh, Major Everhart, DJ Allen, Jack Besh. The list goes on Dalen right now. Like there's a there's a lot of different guys who have opportunities to step up and be the dude, right? And so it, it doesn't just all hinge on one player, but he's officially here on campus now, and we'll see what he can do moving forward. Uh, preseason top 25, we got the coaches poll last week. TCU came at number 16 there. Where are the Frogs in the AP poll? Will they stand at 17? And I'll quickly run through the list. Georgia at one, no surprises. Michigan at two, Ohio State at three, Alabama at four, LSU at five, USC at six, Penn State at seven, Florida State at eight, Clemson at nine, Washington at 10, Texas, the first Big 12 team to show up at number 11, Tennessee at 12, Notre Dame at 13, Utah at 14, Oregon at 15, K-State at 16, TCU at 17, Oregon State at 18, Washington, Wisconsin at 19, excuse me, Oklahoma at 20, North Carolina at 21, Ole Miss at 22, um, Texas A&M at 23, Tulane at 24, and then at number 25, the University of Iowa. So a few things that are intriguing to me. One is, it's pretty obvious, and I think uh, Tommy Fisher, who listens to the show frequently, he brought this up. TCU and K-State, at least from a national media perspective, are pretty even. And just about every preseason poll I've seen, those two have been, like, if not right next to each other, they're pretty close. And and Tommy was like, hey, as much as TCU lost, K-State lost a lot as well. Like, you saw what Deuce Vaughn did for the Dallas Cowboys if you watched their preseason game on Saturday afternoon, had a touchdown rush. Um, you know, they lost a lot of guys on that defensive side of the ball. It's sort of a, a reloading year for them as well. Same with TCU. I think 17 is okay. You know, I've, I've done a lot of shows this offseason about TCU being slided, TCU being an underdog. If, if a Blue Blood program had gone to the national championship game, or a lot of different programs, honestly, in the country, had gone to a national championship game, do I suspect they would be ranked higher going into the next season? Yeah, probably so. But I'm also not going to get up in arms about it. I think 17 is a good place to be. It's sort of middle of the pack. It gives them room to move. Uh, you know, ultimately the AP poll doesn't mean a whole lot anymore because the college football playoff, but it's, it's a good place to start. And I think it shows that people have enough respect for Sonny Dykes getting the job done in year one, showing that he can coach in a high level and saying, okay, that's not just a flash in the pan. Um, we think he's going to be good moving forward. Texas, you know, projected to be the number one, in the big team in the big 12. We'll see. Um, I have questions about Quinn Ewers. I have questions about that O-line. And I think that defense lost more than people realize. But I do concede that, at least on paper, they look really good. And, um, you know, they lost a lot of close games last year, too, or a few close games last year, too. Um, And so I think that is a factor in it as well. But ultimately, I don't have a huge gripe. If you do, let me know in the comments. You know, SEC dominates – the top 10, TCU there, kind of in the middle of the pack at 17. Oklahoma at 20, eh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But Oklahoma A&M kind of in the same boat. It's like they were bad that, They were bad last season, 
people know they were bad and they just kind of think they're going to put it together and figure it out. Oklahoma, in my mind, makes a lot more sense for them than it does A&M because A&M has not shown a you know recent history of sustained continued success, but OU has. And so when the season starts and gets going, we'll see where it lands. But I think TCU at 17 in the AP poll is good. Um, again, kind of right there next to K-State. I feel like the schedule early in the season is manageable. And then we'll find out really who this team truly is um, in the last five games of the season when they hit that gauntlet. When we come back, uh, an audience question or an audience comment that I wanted to get to, and then um, we'll move on to how did TCU rookies do in their NFL debut? We'll talk about the next on Lockdown Horn Frogs. <clears throat> That's right, Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. Wanted to get to an audience uh, comment, Vincent Pryor who chimed in on uh, Monday's video. Vincent's a really good um, listener, viewer, gives good feedback. He said the factor that most people ignore when it comes to uh, expectations for TCU football is team cohesion. That's one thing that TCU does better than most. Um, They're also good at getting a bunch of overachievers. Any given Saturday rules apply. Uh, We know the ranking system is a racket, C-U-T, and – then he said, wasn't TCU a founding member of the Southwest Conference before they got kicked out of UT? Talk about karma. The potential has always been there. The part I want to kind of hone in on there is uh, team cohesion, because I think that's an interesting topic. And Vincent, I feel like you told me this before, you're a former player, and so I'd love to hear your expanded thoughts on this. Um, team chemistry, team cohesion is, is a fascinating thing. I think this group, because of what they went through last year, the guys that are coming back, they're really focused. In some ways, you couldn't have drawn up a better situation. They saw what it t- takes to be super successful. They also saw at the end that there's still a gap there to get to the top. And now they understand, okay, we got to get back to the drawing board, board and work harder. Did a lot of things really well, but there's still a long way to go, right? And so I think that creates a hunger and intensity um, that doesn't lend itself to entitlement, which is always something that you're concerned about. Team chemistry, I feel like it's one of those things you always hear about it when teams win. And it's sort of like a chicken and egg thing. Is the team chemistry really good because the team's winning games and they're coming together? Or is it something that's always inherently there? Because last year's group, I mean, you had some turnover. You had a lot of transfers come in. But honestly, it's it was a lot of the same core that you had last few seasons. And I think that was a, a team that sort of checked out towards the end of the year, in 2021 at least. Um, but they won a lot of games last year and they started to come together as a team. So when you face adversity, um, are you able to keep that team chemistry together? I think that's the biggest question. And it's one that can't really be answered until it happens. But I just always wonder when we talk about team chemistry, what does that mean? And what do you have to endure to get to a point where you're sticking together no matter what? Uh, before we go, I want to talk about some debuts for TCU players in the NFL. Um, and we'll start with the good the good things. Darius Davis had quite the night uh, in the Chargers preseason opener. Um, Chargers beat the Rams 34-17. to He had an 81-yard punt return for a touchdown. You saw it before a lot in a TCU uniform. You know, caught the ball, made a couple moves, and then once he gets opened up in space and can run, he's a special player. And this is what Darius has to do to stick around in the NFL. I mean, he, he can hopefully become somebody who's a reliable target and a reliable part of an NFL offense, 
but he is a special teams ace. And one issue with the NFL now, as far as guys that are trying to make the team as that player, kickoff returns have essentially been eliminated. So it's really just punt returns where you can make things happen. He did that, though, in that preseason opener, taking that punt return to the house. Also had two catches for 21 yards. I I would love for Darius to be successful. Um, You know, I think if he can make it as a gadget guy slash special teams guy, there's certainly a place for him in the league, and there's a ton of speed and athleticism there. And, you know, if somebody can unlock that fully, then he's going to be a special talent. Quentin Johnston um, had three catches for 10 yards, did have a touchdown catch. Uh, not his best night. You know, it was sort of up and down. Had the touchdown catch, which was great. Dropped a few balls, too. Travis Hodges-Tomlinson, who's playing for the Rams, was playing him in man coverage a few times and had a couple pass breakups and did a really good job on Quentin. Uh, you know, he had a few drops. I think there's some nervousness there. That was a question, though, for for Q going into his NFL career. Is he a guy that can, you know, hold on to the football, make things happen, be a consistent target, um, we're, we're not going to know until the season starts. But I love that fit in Los Angeles. Justin Herbert is is such a special talent. He's a great quarterback. And if Quentin can find that consistency that, honestly, he found and, and did at a really high level um, when he was at TCU his final season, then he could be a special player. Um, so those were a few of the debuts there. Max Duggan also played in that game. Um, he was two of three for 19 yards, didn't throw the ball a whole lot, didn't get in the game until um, the fourth quarter, or late in the third quarter. And one thing about NFL preseason games, if you watch them, if you watch like the fourth quarter of those games, the O-line talent is really lacking. And Max was behind a patchwork offensive line that was not doing him any favors. And so um, I would love to see him in a better situation, but that's kind of the breaks when you're playing as a, third-string QB in a game like that. I didn't ask Max to do a lot, but we'll see if they sort of open up the offense for him and how much he plays moving forward. Uh, Cardinals-Broncos, Amari DiMercato, such a cool story, man. Six carries, 21 yards, but the big news there, uh, had a two-point conversion like at the buzzer to win that ball game. So Cardinals win over the Broncos, 18-17. to um, Took the ball, looked like he got stuffed at the one-yard line, but just kept those legs churning. Got some help from his offensive line as they pushed him over the goal line. And he scored a touchdown. So really cool for Amari. I hope he gets more opportunities, gets a chance to put some film out there in case the Cardinals do let him go. Maybe he can land somewhere else. But hopefully he can make an impact with the Cardinals. Uh, Steve Avila also played in that Rams-Chargers games. He was part of the Rams. Um, you know, made an appearance there at that guard position. I think he's got a chance to be a great pro. Uh, Dylan Horton played for the Texans. Did not see him record any stats, though. Uh, he is there in Houston as one of their one of their edge rushers. Um, D. Winters played for the 49ers and made something happen. Had three tackles, two solo tackles. Um, really like his explosiveness and athleticism in that 49ers defense. Kendra Miller, uh, two carries for 10 yards, had a knee sprain, and will be out for a little bit. The latest report I saw this morning was that they expect him back for week one but will probably miss the majority of the preseason, which really stinks. I hope Kendra can get fully healthy. I know that knee's been bothering him now for a while um, since that playoff game. Hopefully he can get back to full strength because there will be opportunities for the Saints carrying the ball as Alvin Kamara is suspended for um, the first few games of the season. If I missed anybody or you want to talk about anybody else who made an impact 
uh, as a rookie in those preseason games, let me know in the comments. You can also hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Simcox Steven. The show is at Locked on TCU, and this is Locked on Horn Frogs. It's your team every day.